0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host Anthony Pagnotta with you guys as always, and today me and Josh Marlowe once again riding along with you as we break down the Toriel's win in Boone, um, and probably I, I I don't even really know. It is Tuesday. Here after this game on Saturday, and I got to tell you, I still don't really know exactly how to feel about this game. I, I am, I am frankly at a loss for words. It took me a while to even really be able to get into breaking down the game for my recap article, for my takeaways, because I don't. At the end of the game, I don't really know how Carolina came out with the victory. Um, There were some really good things offensively that we have to talk about. There were some really bad things, some really, really bad things defensively that we have to talk about. But somehow, Carolina won a game that I think a lot of people were questioning us winning heading into the week questioning even more when they found out Josh Downs wasn't going to be in the game. And somehow Carolina's heading back to Chapel Hill and getting prepared to go on the road to Atlanta to face Georgia State at 2 and out.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you you had a college game day analyst change their prediction from beginning of the show to the end once Josh Downs got ruled out. And, uh, you know, Carolina was able to, to go on the road and and win a game for the first time since the win at Miami to close the two thousand twenty season. That's the last time they'd won away from Keenan Stadium. Um, they of course they lost the Orange Bowl, which is a neutral site, and then all their road games last year. And so you, you you feel like you know, like there's something to, to celebrate about that. You overcame a fourteen point deficit on the road, so this team showed a level of of poise that it didn't have a year ago. Um, because last year's team would have probably gotten blown out, um, and you built a 20-point lead, but you weren't able to close the game in the manner which you would like to have seen your team, which was having a field day on offense, be able to close the game out. So it was it it was definitely a weird vibe because like we drew so many parallels to like we've seen Carolina basketball go on the road in those type of games many a times under Roy Williams, now Hubert Davis, and win. And usually it's one of those games where, like, Carolina would win, but they wouldn't play great, and the opponent would, would play out of their mind, and you mm-hmm. would just beat them because you're Carolina. And I don't know if Carolina beat App because they're Carolina and they should beat App. I don't know if that was the main reason why. I do feel like, you know, their opponent, I mean, Chase Bryce had maybe, you know, one of his best games of his college career, um, who, was, who was playing quarterback for App State. I, 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 I don't know. I just know that Carolina, for um, the third time in four years, is two and zero under Mac Brown, and I do know that they have a quarterback that, like with the same feeling we have with Sam Howell, it don't matter who we're playing or where we're playing them. We know with Drake May, we got we we got a chance, and I think that's really all that matters for this season is that we had so many question marks going in. You know What type of year was this going to be? Was this program ready to bounce back after falling flat on its face a year ago? And I think we know with Drake May at the helm, there's a chance of that happening because that guy's going to make every play in the world we need him to to give us a chance to win on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt
0: about that. I mean, he fought back how many different times, making plays over and over again to give Carolina a chance in this game. And we're going to talk about Drake a little more going forward, but let's take a look real quick at the box score uh, from this game for Carolina. The Tar 567 yards of total offense, 352 of those through the air, 215 on the ground. Carolina really, really struggled penalty-wise, and that's something that we'll definitely have to talk about a little more in depth later on in the episode. 12 penalties, 115 yards for Carolina. Team with plenty of success On third downs with Drake May leading the team, 9 of 14 on third down, also 1 of 1 on fourth down. Uh, And Carolina 4 of 4 in the red zone, just one turnover, the fumble by Drake May. That was a big one at the time, but Carolina was able to recover from that. Meanwhile, on the app side of things, 664 yards of total offense 376 of those through the air, 288 of those on the ground. Penalties for App, 7 for 80. Third downs, pretty good success. Really started out well early on. Carolina slowed them down a little bit in the middle of the game, but then a lot of success late as well. They finished 6 of 12 on third downs, 1 of 2 on fourth downs. Uh, They did turn the ball over once as well. Uh, The Cedric Gray interception for Carolina uh, and uh, when you look at you know the individual performances, Drake May, as we mentioned, another tremendous performance from him: twenty-four of thirty-six, three hundred fifty-two yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Caleb Hood led the Toriels on the ground with eighty-seven yards, including that seventy-one-yard run after App State had closed the lead to forty-one to thirty-five. That was a big one, uh, and what, just one of the one of many plays really from Carolina. That sort of gave them a shot to win this game, even though App State kept responding. Um, and uh, he he had a, a pretty solid day for them. Drake May, 12 carries, 76 yards, and a touchdown. George Petaway, 6 carries, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Amarian Hampton, definitely a lot slower than his first game, but 8 carries, 17 yards, did find the end zone. Uh, So, uh, the guys that you expected would be involved in this one were involved. Probably the most surprising statistic of the day for Carolina on the offensive side of the ball, Kobe Paysor, eight catches, 92 yards and a touchdown on 8 targets so he was about as good as you could have hoped for in this game J.J. Jones also stepping up especially early on in the game 4 catches, 69 yards and a touchdown Bryson Nesbitt, 3 catches 47 yards and a touchdown back to back, good games for him out of the gate to start the year Kamari Morales, 3 catches, 31 yards so the tight ends, both of them uh, both the primary guys at least very heavily involved and D.J. Jones, 2 catches, 4 43 yards, including the 42 yard touchdown pass uh, from Drake May to him, that made it 56 to 49. That was a big one for Carolina as well. App State wise, Chase Bryce, 25 of 37, 376 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. Nate Noel, the leading rusher for them on the ground, 14 carries, 166 yards, two touchdowns, including the 52-yard touchdown run early in the game for App State to get them rolling. Cameron Peoples, 13 carries, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Also, Dietrich Harrington off the bench for them, five carries, 48 yards, had a pretty solid day. Receiving-wise, Deshaun Davis, six receptions, 72 yards, and a touchdown. Henry Pearson, the tight end, four catches, 46 yards, and a touchdown. Christian Horn, three catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Caden Robinson, two catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Miller Gibbs. Uh, the grandson of uh, racing team owner and of course former Washington Redskins head coach Joe Gibbs. Uh, that was one thing that was pointed out on the broadcast. One catch, uh, thir- uh, 13 yards and a touchdown for him. And Christian Wells also caught a touchdown in the game for App State. So a big day for, uh, for both sides. Really, you look on the defensive side of the ball really quickly. Uh, Carolina's leading tackler Cedric Gray, 13 tackles, six of those solo and did have the interception. Giovanni Biggers also with double-digit tackles on the day. Ten total tackles for him. Four of those were solo. Carolina with one sack on the day. That goes to Kamen Rucker and Javari Ritzy, a combined sack there. Just two tackles for loss on the day. So Rucker and Ritzy, of course, get a half tackle for loss on that sack. Noah Taylor and Raymond Volhasik also with a half a tackle for loss. As for App State, on the other side, their leading tackler, Andrew Parker, the linebacker, eight total tackles in the game, six tackles uh, for Nick Ross and Trey Cobb, also with five tackles. Nick Hampton did have a big day for the Mountaineers, two and a half sacks uh, as well, so uh, Carolina had that. That really it was a stretch late in that second quarter where they let up a couple of sacks, but they were able to respond to that so that is our look at the box score which is presented by Raycon Uh, lately I've been listening to uh, you know a lot of games you know I do work a job where I'm not able to quite watch some of these games in depth but I've been listening to a lot of games uh, a lot of podcasts about the team as well And uh, it's been great. And one reason it's been great to listen to is because I'm using my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me, Raycon's give you eight hours of playtime and 32-hour battery life. Raycon's are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and plenty more great additional features for you to check out. And Guys, I'm telling you, I've been using them here over the last couple of weeks here to start the season. Both games, I've had to be here working my job, so I've had that in one ear. I've been listening to that kind of multitasking, and it's been fantastic. They don't move. People don't realize that I have them in. It's awesome. You have to check these out, guys. Make sure uh, that you head over. Go to Ray, go to buyraycon.com slash tppn today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash tppn to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash tppn let's get into this guys let's break this game down a little bit further here and let's start with the quarterback uh that that Carolina right now I think has to look at and ask themselves is is he off to the best start in the history of this program uh first two games of his career so far Drake May 72.6 percent completions 646 yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions, 16, yard, uh, 16 carries, 131 yards, and a touchdown in the first two games. He does have the one fumble, um, but other than that, he has taken care of the ball about as well as you could ask. And I think this game, more than the first game, really prove something we were wondering a young quarterback going on the road to an extremely hostile environment you're talking about a school in App state that that brought in extra bleachers to seat 10,000 more people than their stadium normally seats and he went in there and really from the word go I mean granted it was a, it was a little bit of a slow start but honestly was it really even that slow of a start? They had one drive where they weren't successful in that first quarter. The reason it looked like such a big difference was because App State scored on their first three drives of the game after getting the opening kickoff. I I, I think this game, to me, proved a lot about how confident you should be in Drake May moving forward, and honestly, sort of begs the question that we were talking about a little on air this morning, how in the world did it take the staff this long to make this decision because if if these guys were really that even, people should be trying to do everything possible to get Jacoby Criswell in that transfer portal.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think as Tar Heel fans, we're very glad that that Drake Mace here at Carolina to continue on. You know what 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 Sam Howell started as as we try to take this program or or get this program where we think it should be. Um, he he is poised beyond his years. He has a level of confidence, a moxie that you really just can't coach. It exists in him. The guys love him. That's very evident, the way they respond to him to him being successful. I think you got to give a lot of praise to Phil longa because I think his play calling has been exceptional mm-hmm. through the first two games. Um, he's putting he's putting him in great situations to to, to make plays, and 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 Drake's doing a really good job of, of reading the defense, taking what the defense gives him at times, using his legs, because
0: he's not forcing anything. Like he's he he just, just makes it. I, I I was saying this earlier. I is there a quarterback that you've watched that just makes it look this easy? Like I mean, it's I've just, watched
1: Bryce Young.
0: It's so. Well, I mean, like for my teams, I've never seen a guy that has just moved the ball so effortlessly. Like it just looks so natural. It doesn't look like he's under pressure. This was one of the things when we watched Sam Howell play. One of the greatest things about Sam Howell was how out of control it could look at times, but then he would find enough time just to make the play. With Drake May, it's never like that, nope. and it's it's great because I'm mean, it's just a guy that looks like no matter what is thrown his way, he's going to make the pass that he needs to make.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's I think that's probably the biggest reason why he won the job was that you know it's it because look the – I believe the the, the competition was as tight as they made it out because I do think Jacoby Criswell is a good quarterback and he's going to be a good quarterback at some at some program not named North Carolina sometime next year. But it's 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 all the little things that really, really you can't coach mm-hmm. and you can't teach that really separates him from Jacoby Criswell and it's why he's he, he's already on pace to do some mind-boggling things. As a redshirt freshman, I mean, his numbers exceed the, the, the redshirt freshman years of or or through, or through two games that Jameis Winston put up uh-huh. and that Johnny Manziel put up, and both those guys went on to, to win the Heisman Trophy. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, there's probably some thought in the back of our mind that, you know, is 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 he going to get enough help defensively to get the love nationally that that he's going that he's going to deserve uh, that that was kind of Sam's issue. Oh, uh, we'll get to that. Because, you know, in, in a lot of different ways we you know, we we wasted the greatest quarterback in the in the history of the program at the time. We don't want to repeat that same offense with the guy who was ta- who was succeeding him in Drake May, but he's a lot of fun to watch and and look the 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 nation's taking notice. Because it's going to be really hard when, when North Carolina gets brought up, whether it's on college game day or whatever it is, if they're talking about the Tar Heels, they're going to be talking about Drake May, and that's good for recruiting and, and things of that nature. Well, I
0: mean, they're going to have to talk about him this week since they're playing the greatest group of five team to ever you know ever play the game of football. I mean, I've heard so much about this Georgia State team so far this off season. You would think that they're getting ready. You might as well just book them for the New Year's Six Bowl game. And, and, I mean, look, you know, we'll get in we'll, – we'll talk more about that when we preview the game. Um, but I think – here's the thing. what I have heard all day from people, well, you know, he hadn't really played anybody. He's played Florida A&M and App State, which, first of all, I mean, App State – I mean, some of the people that are criticizing, are we really sure that App State is not a better football team than East Carolina? Like – that's not really a question. I thought you were going to say
1: NC State, and I was going to have to tell you to shut no, up.
0: No, no, no. But then East Carolina, like, this is this has been a legitimate Group of Five program for years. This like, is the
1: standard program in the
0: state. That's what App State is. I mean, like, so that's my—this that this is my thing. It's like, I get it. I get that these aren't FBS—or the, the, not FBS. Somebody said that earlier today, and I had to correct them these are not power 5 programs and when he gets in conference it, it, there are going to be better athletes that are thrown his way but my thing is is are there not some natural tools and things there's things that you are watching here that you can tell it will translate no matter who the opponent is i'm not worried about the fact that he has not played the greatest schedule out of the gate because here's the thing this schedule was set in what 1996 I mean, seriously, that's how far out they schedule these games at this point. So how are you going to fault a kid for playing this well against this schedule? I mean, if you go back and look at some of those other schedules of the guys that you've talked about that have won the Heisman Trophy, and I'm not saying that this means that Drake's going to win the Heisman Trophy, but I'm assuming there are a couple of clunkers on those schedules as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's there's always going to be, you know, those people that are out there trying to make the excuse or trying to just, you know, drown, you know, drown out the hype, and 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 so if 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 we're hearing that, that probably means Drake May's hearing it, and it's probably a good thing for him, and Mac Brown's hearing it, and so it just motivates you to show up every week and keep doing what you're doing, because if you get to the point where you go out and you shred Notre Dame's defense. Then, then, then they're not going to be able to make an excuse because Notre Dame showed on Saturday what they're capable of doing defensively. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, C.J. Stroud didn't even shred him. So, if I mean Drake May does, then if if he if he does that, I think that's it. Then, then you have to put him in some legitimate conversation. I mean, if if he continues, let's say he goes on the road to Georgia State, puts up another game, three hundred yards, four touchdowns, and then he comes and plays Notre Dame and even just has two fifty, three touchdowns, doesn't turn the ball over. Is he in the Heisman race? I mean, I... It, you would think he's got to be close, right? I
1: mean, for, like, for, like, for right now, like like the Heisman doesn't really matter until the cultural ball playoff rankings come out. You can't really talk about Heisman hopefuls without him. Yeah. Because of what he's done through two games. Because he's thrown nine touchdowns in two games. He's accounted for ten total. He's amassed almost 800 yards of total offense. So, like, yeah, if you're having a pre-October-November Heisman discussion... Drake May's in it through two weeks of the season.
0: Yeah. And again, one of the things that he did so well the other day, spread it around to eight receivers, uh, still moved the ball, I thought, extremely well without Josh Downs in the lineup, which was one of our big concerns. But I think the one thing that we haven't taught that that we, you know, probably didn't give him enough credit for, and he's starting to show us That we're gonna have to talk about this moving forward. I thought that this offense was gonna look a lot like 2019. Because in high school, this was just not that that was not his game. They did not use him as a runner when he was at the high school level. They just they leaned on his arm talent and it worked out very, very well. But you are seeing a guy that has some really good athleticism, can do some things as a runner. The only thing that I need to ask him to please do is please. For the love of God, stop jumping in the air. Like, look, I get it. You want to you wanna muscle out some yards. You want to make sure that you've got the first down. But please stop leaving your feet because one of these times you are actually going to get hurt, and we cannot afford that. I mean, there's definitely cause for concern about
1: him getting hurt. And I'm sure Mac Brown, Phil Longo, they're going to have those conversations with him. But if your quarterbacks willing to go out there and sacrifice his body,
0: I love the commitment, there, but there's
1: no reason why the other 21 starters should not be willing to do the same.
0: Oh, I get it, but I would prefer not for him to fall on his neck quite like he did the other day. The other question here is, you know, beyond that, which I'm assuming the staff is surely working on. Mac Brown has now brought it up in back-to-back post-game press conferences. That is one of the things they are probably going to try to drill home with him. Hopefully he isn't quite as stubborn as Sam with the trying to get Sam to slide thing the last couple of years. Um, is is the running ability it's got to be taking you by surprise a little bit here right like we knew that there was that, there was some ability in there from what we had seen from him previously but I don't think we saw a guy that was gonna lead the team in carries the other day and look as good doing it as he did
1: I mean he's six five and has long legs so am I surprised that he can run fast no am I surprised that he's mobile and agile no am I surprised that they're they're relying so much on him? And turn out in certain times in the running game. No, it's a run first offense. So if if your quarterback and can do a lot of things in the running game, and an offense that's built to run the football, I would imagine a smart uh. offensive coordinator would utilize those assets to bolster the running game because your offense. Hey, what you do in the passing game is an extension of that. So no, I, I haven't been overly surprised because Mac Brown told us all summer long he's beating guys in forty yard sprints. He, you know, he, he's the fast one of the fastest guys on the team. So I, I, I mean, it's it, it. I don't think we anticipated it being like it was with Sam at times, where he was your running game. But there, sometimes we like their design runs, and then there's sometimes because. His pocket presence is actually better than Sam's. Those carries are pass plays that get broken down. Instead of taking a sack to wait for something to come open, he just takes off and runs, and they and they wind up being you know you know you know uh, significant gains. So um, I, I I I don't see there being a lot of design runs for him. I just think that he has the awareness to where when the pocket breaks down to get out of there, and he's making positive plays out of nothing.
0: Oh, look at you, Mister Know It All! Oh, uh, what did I say that was wrong? Nothing. no nah, yeah, you were it, pretty. You were pretty it, spot on. That's that's usually how it goes over here. I I don't. Ha- but my thing is not all guys that are tall are athletic. One of the <laughs> let's use for example the guy that called the game for NC State the other day. That's six seven and has long legs. Not exactly the fastest fella out there in Brock Osweiler. So. I think the speed has caught me off guard a little bit, but other than that, um, I think you're right. I think the the pocket awareness that's another thing. When he gets when he gets out of the pocket, he gets out of the pocket, and that's that's the play. He's made his decision. He tucks it and he goes. One of the things that I think we saw with Sam and part part of it we liked was the fact that he would keep his eyes downfield and still try to make the big play. Mm -hmm. And we've heard that. We've heard that before, that guys, especially at the high school level, they tuck and run too quickly. I think Drake has found the perfect balance of that, and it's just it's working out great. Look, we could sit here and talk about Drake for an hour. Like, seriously, I mean, the dude is on that level at this point where he's one of the biggest things that's giving us excitement about this Tar football team. But I'll tell you another thing that gave me a lot of excitement that was weird. That sounded weird. Um, the other day on Saturday was, man, Kobe pesoer and and J.J. Jones. Man, these two dudes, they played fantastic. J.J. Jones kind of got it started. Two big plays on the first drive for Carolina. But how about Kobe pesoer who you know we heard so much about in the summertime. He comes back in in fall camp, and he doesn't end up winning a starting job. Part of that being that he is a guy that's playing in the slot it looked like, you know, they might try to play him a little bit outside. They did that in the spring, but I just don't think he fit out there. But, man, he looked he looked great. As we said in the box score, he was targeted eight times. He caught all eight of those for 92 yards and the touchdown, led Carolina in each one of those uh, categories or at least tied for the lead in each one of those categories you can't you can't say enough about this wide receiver room and and really you got to give a lot of credit to Lonnie Galloway too. This receiving core this year might I mean it's got to be up there with some of the best in Toriel history because it seems a, for you to roll out a guy that you barely played in week one and he just comes in leads you in receiving and looks about as natural as any receiver out there. There's a ton of credit due to the staff and and, and Phil Longo too.
1: Yeah, I mean th- this. I think this is what I think was the most surprising on Saturday because, like, we know there's talent that exists in that in that wide receiver room. They have recruited that position hard. When you look at what this offense does, it, it's very appealing for guys to want to go play in because guys can put up monster numbers. They can go to the NFL and all that stuff. But we just had not really seen it yet. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're without Josh Downs, a guy that, you know, I predicted to win the Bolitnikoff Award and you, you predicted him to have a pretty monster season – as well, and you're looking at, okay, who's going to step up in their absence? I kind of thought they'd lean more of a, you know, they'd run the ball more and utilize their tight ends, which to their credit, they they, they did. Mm-hmm. But when you have, you know, K- Kobe Pesor and J.J. Jones stepping up and making the type of plays that they had to make, and, and we needed them to make them in the first half, because I think the staff knew probably midway through, we got to go score at least 45 to have a chance, I'm not saying they just abandoned the run. You don't think they thought they had to score 63? You didn't yeah, think that maybe. was in there? You know, I, I, I you know, that they didn't abandon the run or anything, or they didn't plan on it. They just started attacking through the air, and those young guys kept making play after play. And now, all of a sudden, when you when you mix a Josh Downs, in, you know, into the mix, well, you're going to have a confident J.J. Jones on the field with them. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a confident Kobe Payzor on the field with them. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Gavin Blackwell, a guy who's made plays at times. And you've got the tight end dilemma as well. What this does, it just makes Carolina's offense that much tougher to defend. And that was our biggest worry coming into the season about this offense was how how would you be able to move the ball uh, you know, efficiently through the air with the new quarterback, mm-hmm. with everyone keying on Josh Downs. And what you learned on Saturday is that you got to be able to defend everybody. And it's not... I'm not glad that Josh Downs got hurt. It may have been a blessing in disguise for Phil Longo in this offense because they may have found a thing or two they didn't know they had because they they had the blanket in Josh Downs. And now all of a sudden whenever he comes back healthy, and you can maybe now, you know, you know, give him a, you know, a, 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 as much time to get to get 100% you're going to have a really hard time
0: stopping this offense through the air. Well, you're—I mean, look—we heard that they want to put Josh Downs more on the outside. Well, you just—you just saw on Saturday you could do that as much as you want because you got a guy in Kobe Pesor who can take over in the slot and be, you know, extremely reliable. How about this? First, I just—I look, I just looked at his his catch log for the day. His last <laughs> four receptions all came on third down. 3rd and 13, 3rd and five, third and four, third and 8. So you're talking about a guy that stepped up when he needed to to make plays. A so 3rd and 13, 21-yard reception from him. And again, I mean, that goes back to Drake May making plays as well. But you got a receiver that really this was the most – this was easily the most action he has ever seen in a game. It was a guy that was not a starter after – Really, it seems like busting his tail in the off to get to a point where he could be a starter, and for him to step up in this moment, have the mindset to be this good and become that that guy that Drake May could count on. I don't think. I mean, you just can't say enough. They have to find a way to get this guy on the field more, right? Yeah, like I mean, there's no doubt he's got to be
1: out there. And so it'll be up to Lonnie Galloway and Phil Longa to figure out the you know, the best way to get him on the field and the best way. You know to utilize them, and, and and that's a good that's a good problem to have because remember when 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 Mac Brown got here, like we knew Deami Brown and Daz Newsom were good football players. Yep, we didn't know how good they were because we didn't
0: have a quarterback who could get it in the ball. Well, also the receiver depth was 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 questionable at times too. Remember that uh, Nathan Elliott was throwing to uh, Roscoe Johnson at one point. It, exact- no offense
1: to Roscoe, and, but and, and, and so they've done just a really good job stockpiling talent in that room to where you have this situation and it's a good problem to have. How are we going to get this guy on the field? How are we going to get him involved in the offense? I mean, it does create a mini headache, but that's why you get paid big bucks is to run a high-power offense, and Phil Longo has that. And it'll be interesting to see how all these guys develop and how much easier the game will be for them when Josh Downs does return.
0: Hey, look, they've got the good headache. The other side of the ball – they're like, can we find any effective players to get out there? Um, really quick, the last thing I want to talk about on the offensive side of the ball, w- w- the offensive line, I think, has to get some praise here. And look, they allowed three sacks, and really it was pretty much in one stretch of the game there. Nick Hampton took over for a few plays, um, and he had a solid day overall. I'm not trying to knock on him. There's a reason why he could very well win Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Year. Um did some work against Spencer Rolland, who struggled a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about Spencer here a little bit later as well. Um, but I-, I thought for the most part, you know, this offensive line did their job again. I thought they got some pretty good push up front in the run game. I thought they pass protected really well. And again, maybe this is me just going off of what I saw last year. But I got to tell you, I'm feeling pretty encouraged with where this offensive line is. Is at at this point through two games, especially against a team in App State that the last time Carolina played them with probably about the same talent level on the defensive line, they destroyed
1: them. Yeah, I mean th- this this was an offensive line that you know we knew coming into the year was looking to bounce back. You know, you you added the transfer and Corey Gaynor. He's been a big addition. You of course have an upgrade. Uh, you know, at, at, on the coaching staff, kind of by default after they were going to retain Stacy Searles, he leaves. You know, then, then, then you insert, you know, uh, big, big Nell, mm-hmm. and um, and, and so we're getting the results that we should have been seeing all along. They they did have some issues. We you know they gave up the three sacks. They they did have some injury or uh, or some penalty issues show up as well mm-hmm. in the game, but they're doing what they need to do with a with a first time starter at quarterback. We're trying to figure out who's going to run the football, you know, and, and everything like that, like. All of this success the offense is having would not be possible without them, and, and so they deserve a, you know way more credit than they're going to get because they're allowing Drake May to look that good because they're giving him a clean pocket and they're opening up running lanes for the running backs to attack and they're giving time for these pa- for, they're giving time for these passing routes to develop and stuff like that so. Hopefully they can keep building off of that. Like They're, they're, they're going to face better defensive lines mm-hmm. you know. starting two weeks with Notre Dame when you get in the ACC play. But for the first time in some time, this group has confidence about themselves, and, and, and they've proven to themselves that that they can be a dominant group up front, which is something we haven't seen them be the first three years of Mac Brown 2.0.
0: Well, and here's the thing. It's not always going to be a lateral step up for this group. There are going to be bumps in the road, and we saw that in the second quarter the other day. But they bounced back, and when they needed to protect Drake May, when they needed to give this team a chance to still win the game late, they did what they had to do. I got to tell you, one of the guys we have really, really given him a hard time here over the last couple of years because he has struggled at left tackle. I think Awesome Richards deserves a shout-out because I think he has been tremendous in the first two games of the season. Mm-hmm. I think he has really played well. He had a block the other day that they showed on a replay. I pointed it out to you. He was mauling a guy. I mean, for him, I, I, I like the the confidence that he has about himself. I know Ed Montalus had you know a couple of problems with penalties the other day, but I think overall he's playing a lot better in his second time as a starter after he lost a job a few years ago as a full-time guy. So I think overall you're just seeing more confidence in this unit. The one thing that could hurt him, though – is injuries and Spencer Rowland could be dealing with something. We'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. Oh, all right, all right. We will circle back around to something that was positive. Actually, you know what? Let's let's just get all the positives out of the way here. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this up here. Let's talk about the special teams just real quick because I thought overall the special teams they've been off to a pretty solid start altogether. But I thought the other day, played really well again. I thought Noah Burnett knocks through two big field goals, 44-47 yards and right down the middle. Um, And that, I mean, we talked about it. That was one of my big concerns coming into the game. I don't think I mentioned it on the preview podcast, but it was one of those things that coming in, I said to you, you know, this could be tough, man, having to go on the road to an environment like that and having to make some tough kicks. Now, granted, they came when Carolina was in an offensive rhythm and was really feeling themselves in the midst of scoring 34 straight. But they ended up being big kicks at the end of the day. So I thought he looked really good. And then I think you got to give credit. First of all, the play that is just, just all over the internet of – three Carolina, I believe they are all linebackers. I know Chris Collins was one. Cedric Gray was the other. And I think it may have been Power Eccles, but I can't tell exactly who the other guy is that just, I mean, just lit up the app onside return squad on the play where Bryson Nesbitt recovers it and scores a touchdown. But Carolina recovers both onside kicks and made it look rather easy. So I think the special teams, which have been such an issue for Carolina since Mac Brown's return. They look pretty good. you got to give Larry Porter some credit here.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the special teams were so bad, we were joking internally about hiring Larry Fedora back to coach the special teams. Those were real conversations. Because yes. he, he coached the special teams when he was at Carolina, and Carolina was a very good special teams unit underneath his watch. <laughs> and, and now Larry Porter's back in Chapel Hill, and that unit, for the most part, did everything right. Mm-hmm. You love to see that your kicker can make kicks because – There are going to be times where you're going to need to settle for three instead of going for it on fourth down. You love that you you recover both onside kicks. Yep.
0: Oh, 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 I know where you're going with this. But you also— You might want to save this because there is a whole section about about some some questionable
1: decisions. You you also got a coach that in a one-possession game with 30 seconds left to go— Yep. If you recover the onside kick, as green as that grass is, and as much as you want to go in the end zone, hey, when your defense turf. when your turf. defense ain't stopped anybody all game long, yep. And they have no timeouts and there's no way for them to, to win the game, the best thing to do is to fall down. Yeah. And so I, I get yep. it. I have I'm not gonna say I've been in that situation, but I I used to play special teams, and so I understand. Oh, here we go. Why there is that desire to, to if you you field
0: it? How many and, times you recover an onside kick? 18 times. That is the biggest lie ever. <laughs> what a great number to pull out by the way, out of nowhere, just um, right, right,
1: right out of your cheeks. But Come on, you know, like like when it happened. That's why.
0: That's why we didn't even celebrate, like. <laughs> The, you were, I was literally yelling at him as he do, was running down the sideline. Go out of bounds. Do anything. Do not score in that situation. And and this is the thing about that one. They're never going to admit what actually happened. The coaching staff isn't going to admit because they're not going to throw the kid under the bus, nor should they. It makes sense. Correction. Mac Brown won't
1: throw the kid under the bus.
0: There will be plenty of coaches.
1: Nick Saban, Ryan Day, Kirby Smart, I do Sweeney. No,
0: I do that not. Would, no, no. There is no chance that Dabo Sweeney is going to throw that man under the bus. I mean, Nick look, Saban, maybe, but I. Here's the thing: you don't throw the kid on. You don't look. You don't throw the kid under the bus. That is a teaching moment of hey, man. And look, Bryson Nesbitt was a dude. He just started playing football in his junior year of high school. So I don't know how many times has he been on the hands team? Probably not many, because no offense, when Bryson Nesbitt was at South Mech, they didn't really they didn't really recover a lot of onside kicks because they weren't all that great so i don't I don't know, but that's one of those scenarios where that if they are presented with that situation again, you in no circumstance can return that ball you can't nope not when not when you can't it's it's just situational awareness because I mean we've seen that play before we've seen that play plenty of times where guys return on psychics. I remember what was it a few years ago um Mississippi State and Kentucky had a game on the on CBS between those two. They were both playing extremely well. They had a scenario like that where a player returned an onside kick. But when you when your defense is struggling that bad, I mean at that point, what? They had allowed I'm trying to think 34 points already in the fourth quarter. Yep. Just sit on it. Sit on it, knee it out, go home. That I, that one was up there. Well, Uh, The other one, I I think we talked about this a few times. And I'm trying to remember was it was when it was still a 20-point game, right? I believe it was on the drive where App State scores to take the 41-28 lead. Where App State, third and eight, Carolina stops them short. There's a holding penalty on the Mountaineers. Well, Carolina accepts the penalty. Now, keep in mind Carolina was... They were nowhere near... They were on their side of the their side of the 50. I think they were inside of their own 40-yard line. And Carolina took the holding penalty to back them up. Now, look, to Carolina's credit, they still made the stop. They called a late-hit penalty, which... I thought was a terrible call. I think we there were a lot of people that thought that as well. But the thing was, you didn't even have to put yourself in that situation. And that one, that one is completely on the staff. I didn't understand that call at all to accept that penalty. Again, flip this, flip the sides of the field. If they were at Carolina's 35, maybe you accept that to make sure they can't kick the field goal, although their field goal kicker had missed one earlier in the day. So... I, it was it was that one. Those two decisions were unbelievably confusing to me.
1: They were reminiscent of decisions that Mack Brown made at Texas that backfired, and that's eventually what cost him his job because he wasn't very good at managing the game in his last few years at Texas. And what we heard when he, when he came out of the out of the booth and out of TV when he came back to coaching was that been studying, you know, you know clock management and analytics and you know how to how to do things in different situations. And if you go back to his very first game back in a game against South Carolina that Carolina would eventually win, he again had questionable decisions that didn't make a whole lot of sense kneeling forward on fourth down to give South Carolina the ball back on the plus side of the 50 with a chance to go win the game. And it's, it's left us all at, at times just shaking our head. And, you know, that was what we were doing Saturday when he accepted that penalty. And, you know, look, there were a lot of calls that, that didn't go Carolina's way. And knowing our head coach, he's going to send a lot of them to, to, to the league office to be reviewed because that's what he does. But at some point, like, you can't blame the – like, as much as you want to blame the officials – it was your fault you accepted the penalty because there was still so much time left in the game. App was probably going to punt it away. Because if they had they gone for it and not gotten it, that would have effectively ended the game. They would have probably punted, hope they got, you know, one stop to then maybe make it a one possession game and then you go on from there. You you gave them two extra chances. You know, you your 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 team makes a mistake. And then, lo and behold, three plays, four plays later, it's a one-possession game, and um, you know, then all of a sudden, your team's reeling. So, um, definitely something that Matt Brown's got to look at the mirror and say, "I got to do better," um, because there were times again in in this game where him and his staff's managing of the game nearly lost Carolina. Went on the road.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, that's 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 accurate, and and that's I mean. That's one of the big things, and and remember, it really started even with the first game back here. We all remember the, the the odd decision to give South Carolina extra time by kneeling the ball and giving them an opportunity to throw a hail mary. It was it was very strange, um, but yeah, I mean, Carolina, I I think that's one of the things that you know there that that's a little worrisome. But, you know, hey, you, you got to give them credit. These guys still fought through it. Um, the problem is is that the biggest question mark about this team we haven't even talked about yet. Um, oh, the one other thing I did want to mention I put in that game management area, 12 penalties, 115 yards. Team's got a long way to go on on that. <laughs> Just got to be a lot better. I mean, you, you you took five in the first game of the year, and it looked good Promising, And
1: three were backup players. So your starters committed two penalties. Yeah, I mean, you felt good about
0: where they were. And then in this game, things just became unraveled. And again, you know, look, there are questionable calls. There's no doubt about it. But the majority of these calls, I would say, what, maybe two were legitimate questions. The rest of them were pretty spot on where we said, yeah, that's, that's a good call. So it's just it's a team that has to be more disciplined Overall, including the coaching staff Speaking of discipline Can we can we get anything from the defensive side of the ball? Not until you get good players in here I mean, you allowed, as I mentioned earlier 664 yards of total offense um, The thing that stuck out the most to me was miscommunication. We saw it and we saw it on plays. It was even more obvious on plays that were incomplete because they were missed throws by Chase Price. Guys that were wide open, guys, the linebackers, nickels, passing guys off to nobody in particular. The communication, that was one of the things that was stressed so much by Gene Chizik and Charlton Warren in the offseason. And these guys have a long, long way to go. And this secondary as a whole, man, Storm Duck, three touchdowns allowed the other day. I mean, it is just, it is a huge struggle for that group right now.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it it, it starts and it ends up front. Um, Des Evans was somehow awarded the defensive player of the game. By the
0: staff, I can't believe which that. was pathetic. Well, I don't. Here's the thing: was Des Evans even the best defensive player? They should Kay- anybody. In I thought Kamen Rucker was you probably know, your best defensive player.
1: You know, some sort of award for that effort on Saturday or lack thereof. But he was pretty much a non-factor. Um, Ray Volosik, um we we've we've been waiting since 2019 for you to build off of your end of the season.
0: Not going to happen. And and so when when you're when you're Miles, Mur- Miles Murphy are are we sure that Miles Murphy is not is not just playing at Clemson like we <laughs> I I am serious. We have not seen him really do anything of significance in the first two games of the year. You know, when, when you look at Kamin Rucker,
1: you know, really nice, you know, really nice player, but he's not as gifted as as you as, as you probably need him to be. So he's going to make a lot of his plays off of effort. Mm-hmm. I think Noah Taylor's brought something to Carolina, but it's not enough. And, and and so, you know, as much as we want to talk about, you know, the scheme and and stuff like that, the simple fact of the matter is with this defense is they're not very good. You, I mean, is there talent there? Yeah. Is it consistently good talent? No. And uh, until that really changes, it doesn't really matter who's coordinating the defense. This is what's going to happen. Because the biggest issue under Jay Bateman was the guys were not in position to make plays. You had guys in position the other day to make plays, and they just simply they weren't tough enough, they weren't good enough, they weren't disciplined enough to make them, and they got embarrassed by a group of five offense. And it's 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 really it's really frustrating because I think we all think that or we all thought that Gene Chizik who did really good things with Carolina's defense back in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen mm-hmm. with less talent and less depth, was going to be able to do the same thing here with more talent and more depth. But I mentioned this when talking about the defense that the or the job you did with the defense a few years ago was that those guys were one hundred percent they were bought in because they were they were tired of being told how bad they were. Because everybody in the country told them, you suck. And, and they rallied behind that. We've been saying the same thing about this defense really since the first year. Because, you know, 2020, you had a great offense that could mask a lot of your holes. Last year, you got embarrassed. You were giving up 45 points to Georgia Tech. You fired a defensive coordinator. And it it still hasn't resonated to where they're giving consistent effort on every play. They're trying their hardest. And, and and simply put, we're not good enough defensively to go through the motions. Some teams are. Ohio State could go through the motions and still win a Big Ten championship and, and, and still achieve a lot of their goals. Carolina's not. And that, and, and that got exposed on Saturday to where if this is going to be the effort that we get week in, week out, we'll be a fun team to watch. We'll be playing and winning a lot of games in the high
0: 40s, low 50s, or hell, even the 60s. And we'll be lucky to make a bowl game. I think that's the point that we're kinda at. And I mean, at this point, you need motivation from your defense because guys, your offense on the other side of the ball, I mean, are are we are we ruling out the chance that this could potentially be the best offense that Carolina's ever had? Like this offense can move the ball as as easily up and down the field as any that I've seen at Carolina. Like it is unbelievable how smooth this offense has looked the first two games of the year.
1: Well, it's, it's it's really, and and this is something that I've learned to do since getting into the radio industry. Here we go. Yep. Is is to use other people's words against them. Oh man. There should not be a single person listed as a blue player defensively for Carolina because they should
0: not have a single starter. <laughs> should they should they be listed as white team players? Um
1: and, and, and I so think
0: there's some questions. And look, look, there are some guys out here that I think I mean, they're showing it like you said, Kamen Rucker's showing effort. It's just the problem is he's a guy that's probably playing at a position. Um, I got to tell you, I think you you said the guys are in the right position to make plays. Maybe in the front seven they are. I do not understand why this staff is so hell bent on on going zone defense. This these guys do not have the closing speed to play zone defense. Well, well they don't. They don't have it. A lot of reason you got to play zone because you can't play man. I, they haven't really tried it. I've seen this team. Play zone as much as I've seen any Tar Heel team in the years. past. and look, maybe you learn something in camp. But at this point, you should try manning these dudes up. These were what a lot of these guys were brought in to play that style of corner. They they did it in high school. They they this is what Jay Bateman did. And I, look, that may not be what exactly you want to do as as Gene Chiswick, But I'm going to tell you, man. I've seen these first two games. These guys cannot, there is no, the communication is terrible, which in zone defense, if you are a zone-heavy team, you have to communicate extremely well. They don't have that guy. And look, I, I hate I hate bagging on the kid because I thought he got, he got roasted the other day by a lot of Tar Heel fans, and I think there are a lot of other guys that deserve criticism. Storm Duck, to me, was not talked about enough. He let up three touchdowns in this game. He has been picked on routinely in the first three games of the year. He went from being storm duck to cook duck. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Accurate, but wow. (laughs) And look, for him, get it back on track. We know you've got the talent. You've got to shake it off, stabilize yourself. But Cameron Kelly is a guy they need a different free safety back there because yep. you need a guy that can communicate. Well, well. And, you
1: know, I'm, I've seen a lot of people think that you know this team just needs Aquarius Conley back, and look, he'd I be mean, a nice, it can't hurt. He'd but. Be, <laughs> he'd be a nice addition, right? If if you're trying to convince yourself that he's the missing link to this defense being average, you're lying. The defense won't be what it what we want it to be, what it
0: should be. Until that defensive line yep. I mean maybe does does yeah. something. Can we put Conley on the D line? And, Let's and try him there. We put him at nickel,
1: we put him at safety. And so there's gotta be growing frustration with Tim Cross. And I get yep. he's a hell of a recruiter. And he's very valuable to this staff in that role. Same as Dre Bly. Yes, you know what I've
0: learned through four years? They're not position coaches at this level. Man, you gotta and and I think he's done some good things with the linebackers. Do you have to question Tommy Thigpen, too? Like these these holdovers at this point from last year's staff. I mean, look, the linebackers the other day. I mean, you had good moments from Cedric Gray, from Noah Taylor, but you had guys missing tackles. Yep. And he's just like
1: it's 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 gonna happen and this football tackling is is crap and you're gonna miss tackles. But we missed tackles in volume. And yep. and And, and, and they
0: were they were an issue last year. That was one of the biggest well, that's things been that was the biggest they issue said,
1: since Butch Davis
0: left. Well, that was one of the biggest things that we heard about Cedric Gray this offseason was we're trying to improve him as a tackler. He misses three tackles the other day. Well and, and like it's just it's frustrating. And look, I'm not trying to take this out on the student athletes. These guys they're, they're, to me, I am more concerned with the overall coaching. And and that's not me saying, look, man, it's all it's it's Gene Chizik. I think I wonder is the combination of new defensive coordinator, new co defensive coordinator, secondaries coach, with the holdovers from last year's staff, is it just not working? Because there is, I have said this multiple times on this podcast, there is no way in hell that you can have this much talent. On the recruiting trail, and not have any, and have every one of these dudes struggle. Well, it's it's physically impossible from what you've seen from other teams in the past. Like it's also you should why be those, somewhat average.
1: It's also why those those recruiting stars don't mean a damn. Well, on they do
0: They don't. But if you go back and look at the teams, just go back and look. Twenty four seven Sports put out a ranking last week of the most talented teams in the country. Go look at those teams and you tell me how where those defenses rank. Because there ha, there is defensive talent throughout on those teams too. It is there is no there is no way that every one of the players that you are bringing in that are four and five stars will struggle this bad. It's coaching. It has it it has to be coaching. Cuz if not then you don't need to recruit at a high level. You it's, need to recruit three stars, and you need to build guys because these dudes are not cutting it then. It's
1: the rare combination of overrated talent and poor coaching. That's what it is. These kids, frankly, aren't as good as what that recruiting number says they are, but we don't have the coaching to, to mask those deficiencies. And for Carolina to be where they want to be as a football program – you're gonna to have to have coaching that can that can mask your flaws. That was something that we kind of thought Larry Fedora had learned when he won 19 games in two years, that he'd finally learned how to navigate. You know how hard it is to win here, because you're gonna get talent here sometimes, but it's gonna be like where it's either inconsistent where you get it, or in in this case, where right now it's just it's, it's just it's, it's it's just inflated recruited rankings, and so that's the issue. And so you've got to figure out that way to, you know, there's 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 no way Mac Brown doesn't think internally. We need we need a new voice in that in that defensive line room. Letting go of Tommy Thigpen would be a hard decision. He's a Carolina guy. Letting and he's go, done, I mean, he's done some good things. And, and, and letting go of Dre Bly is going to kill you because he's a great recruiter.
0: Well, he th- he first of all, you cannot let him fully go. But you got to tell him, dude, you just you you don't have an on field role. Because your corners have taken a step back every single year since he's gotten here, like it's just it's the facts, man. And, and so those are the hard conversations that that Mac Mac's
1: got to be willing to have if he wants to get if he wants to get this program where he thinks it where where he thinks it it, it can be again. And look, I think I think it can be there, and, and and we're all still bought in on 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 the vision that he's selling us. But you're not going to do it beating teams like Ab State, sixty three to sixty one. Nope. Because that's not going to fly in the ACC, especially this year,
0: where that's arguably the best quarterback conference in college football. I mean, I I, I was telling you about it the other day. I mean, what is that Virginia game going to look like? What is Miami potentially going to look like? I mean, it'll. it'll I, I mean, like, it's like it'll look like the old Big Twelve. Wake Forest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're talking about teams that should be able to put up points against some of the best defenses in the country at a pretty high level. And the way you're playing right now, and look, I don't think I would be stunned if you saw a game this bad the rest of the year. I would. You would hope that they will find a way to be better than this. But I mean, look, it's it's got to start it's got to start with the basic stuff that Gene Chizik has talked about. The defensive front in this game Two tackles for loss, one sack, eight total pressures the entire game. That's you can't happen. And this wasn't a team that just quick passed you the whole game like Florida A and M did. No, they legitimately dropped back, had all the time in the world that they wanted and made it look easy. And, look, your secondary has to help you out a little bit, too. I think, look, the defensive line has their issues as well. The secondary has just uh, – the miscommunications, it's hard to get to the quarterback when a guy is running wide open because somebody just completely blows the coverage. <laughs> missed tackles. That was un- that was one of the big things for, for Gene Chizik as well. We missed way too many tackles a year ago. According to Pro Football Focus, Carolina missed 14 tackles in this game. That's Jeff, it? Jeff Schottmer – who does his podcast for inside Carolina, calling the shots, I believe. Great, really good podcast, by the way, as well. He had him over 15. Do you listen to my podcast? Of course not. Okay. And then big plays allowed. Uh, another one of the main focus points for Gene Chiswick in his intro press conference. Carolina allowed 22 big plays in this game. 12. 15-plus-yard passing plays and 10 10 10-plus-yard running plays. That bad? I mean, it's just – it is the little things that you – I mean, it feels so easy to fix. Just don't allow the big plays. Communicate a little bit better. And, I mean, look, man, maybe getting Jaquarius Conley back helps. But, guys – he was there last year when Carolina played Virginia and that team threw for over 500 yards on him. Yep. So I I like look man, I think Conley can make a real difference. But you've got to me, I think you've got to start seeing different guys out there. Start start rotating other guys in. Well, I mean And it, live with the results because as somebody said the other day, I saw it on social media and I don't remember who it is, so I can't give him credit. Probably my tweet. It's not you because your tweets are terrible. When at this point, what what do you have to lose by putting somebody else out there? What, what, what are you going to do? You're going to put another guy out there that's not going to tackle? Throw him out there? Who cares? Let's well, see something. Well, this is. Let me give you some wisdom.
1: Here we go. This is where you go back. And you, you use their words. Remember remember when Hubert Davis said after Carolina got blown out for the umpteenth time, we're going to play the starting five that deserves to be on the court? Yeah, that's right, yep. And then he came back out with the same starting five that got its ass kicked? Yeah, yep, yep, I was there for it. So that. if if we, if Mac Brown said it all summer, we're like, if we're not playing very good, we're going to take you off the field. So whenever we see the Tar Heels defense line up on Saturday at after, in a, uh, afternoon at Georgia State, if we see the same starting 11 on the field, guess what? We can go back and say... Hey, remember when you said two months ago if you didn't deserve to be on the field, you're not going to be on the field? And if the defense goes through another issue or another spat where they give up 21 first quarter points or 40 points in the fourth quarter oh and those God. same guys are still on the field?
0: That's- well, well, that's the other thing. Look, even if you don't throw out different starters, you you have to have guys that rotate in earlier. And I don't care if they're underclassmen or whatever. And and that's the thing that was frustrating. I thought they did that at times in the game against Florida A and M, but in this game, you just kind you you kind of left the same guys out there to keep taking a beating. Like, look, if guys are struggling that bad, take them off the damn field. Let them. I mean, bring them to the sideline and say, "Look, man, it's not your day. We're throwing somebody else out there." Because as I said, with a lot of these guys, how much worse can it get? It really can't. Like, you made Chase Bryce look like a superstar. No offense to Chase Bryce. Look, I know he's been working on his game, and he's gotten a lot better. We saw that at times last year. But there is no way that that dude should have been able to look like a Heisman candidate against your defense. Now with the talent that is in that room. It's time for these guys to start capitalizing. And you've got talent in your depth. So go to it. Let's see it. I'm not worried about guys getting their feelings hurt. Like, look, if you can't handle the fact that you're playing that bad, that we got to take you off the field to put somebody else in, then enter the portal. Like, its I, I don't really know what to tell you. It's either that or step up. It is time because the frustrating part with this is, look, if Carolina's offense was struggling too, then we would be like, all right, well, this team overall is just struggling. It's going to be a down year. You're looking in the face of an offense that right now looks like it could be another elite one, if not, as I said earlier, maybe your best offense ever if they can keep rolling like they are right now. Yep. And you are doing nothing to help this team. Like, this offense, am I wrong in saying this? This offense could win the ACC Coastal. Easy. I think so. The way they're playing right now, I mean, I think it's uh, uh, Miami, they started out really well in their first game as well. But outside, I mean, Pitt didn't look perfect with Keenan Slovis. I think this offense would have you in contention to win the Coastal. But for some reason, your defense, it ain't going to have you anywhere close. Yep. So that's the frustrating part. And honestly, I mean, here, this will be the last question I'll ask. What, what, do you have any solution? Because I, I think no. there's so much blame that goes around right now. It is it is hard to really figure out how you get this fixed this quickly unless somehow a, a switch just flips for these guys.
1: The only solution is to get better players and get better coaches to coach the players.
0: And you ain't doing that in season.
1: So um, that's that's... That's that. That's that's really all it is. Until these until these players prove otherwise, they're they were overrated coming out of high school, and until these coaches prove otherwise, they're not able to to get the most out of what they what they've been given. They lack the ability to make adjustments, you know, on the fly, mid season, all that good stuff. And 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 that's what really separates the good from the great. It's you, you gotta have the Jimmies and the Joes and you gotta have the X's and the O's and Well, another thing that's Carolina's not in there. got some Jimmies. Well they don't they don't have enough Joes.
0: Well I thought this I thought this was another thing that was pointed out on social media and I thought it was spot on. And you could tell by the guy that it came from. Julius Peppers said on social media afterwards, it's about heart. You gotta have heart. You gotta wanna be better. You honestly have to start questioning do these, does this group want to be better, or are they just saying, hey, man, we got an elite offense. We can lean on them to win games. And my thing is, dude, Julius Peppers is not a guy that goes to social media often. It is rare that he goes on social media and says anything. For him to come out to make that comment, I mean, it's no, and it's noticeable to all different types of players. I mean, you got guys from past defenses that were good, not great, some even average to below average that are apologizing tutorial fans for how bad this year's defense is. Like, what more of a wake-up call do you need? Mm -hmm. Like, it is time, guys. Step up and let's start making something happen. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you play anywhere close to that on September 24th, you will get ran off the damn field. Like You might as well not even come out after halftime if you're going to play like that against Ohio State because that team just went up to Columbus and put up a hell of a fight. And it probably ain't going to be that easy for your offense to score. So you better bring your jocks for that game. That's, that's pretty much all we got to say. And that's what sucks because the first half of this podcast, we felt really good. We talked about an offense that has us feeling like we can have a really exciting year but the defense is what's holding hold this group back. And and it's on everybody. It's on the coaches, it's on it, it's on the players to step up and make something happen. We're going to take a quick break. Let you hear this week's ad from DraftKings and then we'll come back. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Uh, A couple of guys that are currently listed as questionable for Saturday's trip to Georgia State. What does that mean for Carolina if they are unable to have these guys out there? Stick around with us here. Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this.
1: Hey, everybody. Josh here. Head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. All of our coverage from the App State, the the recap, trench report, stock report, Ashton's analysis, you can find all of that on the website. Also find out, you know, some injury updates for Tar Heel football players. Also, takeaways from Mac Brown's press conference. As for basketball, Hubert Davis did offer a five-star recruit. Find out who that is, and another five-star is set to make his decision. We'll have you covered on that front as well. Find all that great Tar Heel football and basketball coverage,
0: heeltoughblog.com. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. As an add-in bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough blog and find the Heel Tough Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user, head over to Twitter at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore. Josh for Josh Marlowe and at Hack HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe here on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Well, Mac Brown did has, he did have his press conference the other day, and we told you a little bit about some of this stuff that you guys can check out on the website. Well, there is an article up there that breaks down. His press conference in-depth written by our newest writer, Ashton Marlowe. So make sure you guys go and check that out uh, over there, HeelToughBlog.com. But I also put up an article, and this is unfortunately already a weekly thing for Mac Brown and the staff to have to update the injury issues for Carolina. Three guys listed as questionable for this weekend against Georgia State. Josh Downs, as you would expect, still going to be questionable. We'll have to wait and see whether or not he is actually going to be able to go for this game. But I think as we saw, feel pretty confident if he cannot go that Kobe Paisor can pick it up for Carolina if he needs to for another week. A lot of people actually kind of on the train of sit him out, get him ready for Notre Dame, roll from there. Uh, Caleb Hood, a little more significant in terms of if he can't play in this game, and this one... This one just just hurts, man. He had, I mean, he played probably the best game of his career the other day. Career, uh, career high eighty-seven rushing yards in the game. Made a good play for Carolina. Really looked good throughout the entire day, and now apparently has some sort of lower body injury. He, he had trouble with those all last year once he suffered that first injury. has really struggled to get back on the field. even dealt with injuries throughout the offseason. So hopefully he is able to get back out there. But he is questionable. If not, uh, if he's not able to go, you're going to see a lot of the true freshmen, um, which, you know, those guys, you know, had, had – you know, freshman games the other day. I thought George Petaway still played pretty well. and Hampton, nowhere near as productive. Eight carries, 17 yards, but still a guy that I think looks the part, no doubt about it. Um, so you'll probably see more of them, maybe a little more of DJ Jones as well. The big one, and I think the one that will probably be the most monitored of the group throughout this week uh, after, you know, what we saw this past weekend that sort of relieved the concerns about Josh Downs not being out there is Spencer Rollins, the starting right tackle for Carolina. Yeah, he got beat on two sacks the other day. But, look, I think he's been pretty solid here out of the gate outside of those two moments uh, for Carolina. He is questionable for this game. Lower body injury for him. If he is unable to go, that likely means that you will see William Barnes kick out to right tackle And Jonathan Adorno will be playing for Carolina at right guard. Not the worst situation in the world. Adorno looked pretty good in the reps that he took against Florida A&M. Didn't see a ton of snaps Uh, the other day. Really saw them after Rollin left the game, which he did late on. William Barnes took, I think it was the last four snaps for Carolina uh, at right tackle of the game. So Adorno naturally slid in. But the concern then is is that is pretty thin throughout. Uh, I don't really know how much flexibility there is in terms of what Brian Anderson can do. Um, it seems like they've kind of just been running with him at center. Um, so who knows? Maybe they would be able to move Corey Gaynor to guard or something like that. But Carolina really down to about six guys on that offensive line that they feel really, really comfortable with at this point because Zach Rice sort of stunned with what happened uh, with him having to miss some practice uh, in the middle of fall camp. Same thing with Trevion Green, who missed most of the end of fall camp. Uh, and then you know there's still you know some questions about where exactly Carolina is going to play. Caden Baker is he a guy that Carolina is ready to include in that blue team? Uh, they haven't really talked much about that, but we'll have to see moving forward whether or not he is a guy that will be a factor. There, so all three of those guys, guys to monitor, and we'll give you the latest, of course, on the website when we get it. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Next edition of the podcast, we will be going through and previewing the game against Georgia State. A whole bunch of that stuff will be on the website as well. The preview and all the stuff that we've been doing afterwards. Check out all the stuff that we did recapping the App State game uh, on the website as well. And uh, tons of other great stuff getting ready to go up there for you guys. Some great basketball articles that have been hitting the website in the meantime as well. So make sure you check all that stuff out over there on the website. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh Marlowe for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.